Green, please be seated. We have one case for argument this morning, Kroll on, uh, on Track versus the Commissioner of Revenue. Uh, the record should reflect that Justice Lil Haug is participating in this case. He's just not able to be with us this morning. Uh, Mr. Siegel, you've reserved 10 minutes for rebuttal. You may proceed when you're ready. Uh, good morning and may it please the court. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here and present oral argument in this case. This is a sales tax case and I represent Kroll on Track, which is a provider of a product for lawyers that's used for e-discovery. And it is basically tools, algorithms, and you, you could even think of it sort of as a secret sauce that allows lawyers to deal with massive quantities of information and predict what documents will be usable in the case, what documents would be responsive to discovery. A lot of this information is obviously attorney-client privilege. And so this case really involves whether Kroll, Kroll's investments in capital equipment qualifies for the capital equipment exemption. And that exemption is the subject of a specific definition of capital equipment exemption is, is defined in terms of um, a online computerized data retrieval system, and that's kind of a mouthful, and I'm gonna repeat that, online computerized data retrieval system, and that's defined. And then we, we talk about that definition a lot, but ultimately we then talk about accumulation of information. Now, before I get into the argument, I'd like to point out what's not at issue or what's not disputed, because I'm gonna fly over that because I don't really think we need to spend time on it. In the tax court opinion on page 10, and I'm, I'm not looking at the Westlaw version, I'm looking at the court's um, issued opinion. The court says that on many of these points, the Kroll system appears to qualify for the exemption, and I'm paraphrasing. It's an online system, it's computerized, it retrieves data. There appears to be no dispute that the equipment satisfies the primary use test. So really, the court says that the online computerized data retrieval system means a system whose accumulation of information is equally available and accessible to all its customers. Then the court set, tax court says on this latter point, the Kroll system does not qualify. The accumulation of information on the Kroll system is not equally available and accessible to all customers. And in the court, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, a customer of the Kroll system can access only the database of documents it is uploaded to and stored, stored on the Kroll system and cannot access the database of documents uploaded and stored by other customers. That's what the court's saying. Now, we disagree with that. And in the briefing, we focus on the fact that the accumulation of information really should be the accumulation of information that belongs to Kroll, that's the accumulation of information on the system. And it says a system whose accumulation of information. So the word whose becomes very important. And from our perspective, the accumulation of information are really the tools, the algorithms, the formulas, and the secret sauce, if you will, that Kroll provides in terms of taking customer information, customer documents, and customer searches and then allowing information to be retrieved from that customer information. Now, I fully realize the tax court took issue with the exemption because of the fact that the customer provides documents, the customer searches the documents, and the Achilles heel, if you will, from the tax court's perspective is the fact that customers are providing the search results, uh, I'm sorry, are providing the search terms, are using the, the, the um, tools with respect to discovery documents that the customer would provide. And in evaluating that argument, I would say there's not a distinction between the um, customer information in, in the tax court's opinion and the tools that are actually the system that Kroll is providing. Whereas we have argued in the brief that the Kroll system is really what you ought to be looking at and of course you're gonna have customer information provided to Kroll, just like you had customer information provided to Dexma, just like in the case of Westlaw, there are, search, there are searches that are done on Westlaw, and in fact now if we If we accept your definition, does that mean that basically any computerized 
uh, information system is exempt from taxation? I mean, it seems to me the legislature had in mind to be distinguishing here, and I'm just wondering if there's anything left of the field by the time um, we accept your uh, suggested interpretation here. Well, I think the real limitation that that would would, would ha we'd have to focus on is the, the the verbiage about it has to be primarily for the purpose of retrieval. And so, a lot of things you could talk about Facebook, you could talk about uh, any any kind of online product. I would say most of those things would not qualify because they're any, not. So, but any data storage, um, any data storage business would then be exempt. Not necessarily, because if, if it's really more of a data storage device and not really a data retrieval device. Here, Kroll is providing tools that are operating to allow retrieval, and these are sophist sophisticated tools in some ways like the tools that were involved in Dexma. And in Dexma, for example, you had actually a very similar fact pattern to this case, because Dexma was, was really kind of a middleman in the sense that there were these other companies that were really providing the tools that were actually searching and analyzing the data that was provided by the customers of Dexma. It's important to understand that in Dexma, people like me would go in and apply for a mortgage. And so I would input the mortgage data, but frankly, at the time of Dexma, I think most people didn't input, input their own mortgage data when they applied for a mortgage. Usually the loan officer would do that. So they'd want to know your age, your income, how long have you worked here, et cetera, et cetera. All that information goes from the customer to Dexma. It's all customer information. There was no, you know, quote unquote, database like you have in Westlaw involved in Dexma. All of the inputs that were really used to retrieve the information in Dexma all came from the, the customers or from loan applicants who might have inputted the information. Sometimes it was a customer, sometimes it was a loan applicant. So in this case, we have a very similar situation. I mean, we have documents that the lawyers are providing. They are then searching and doing various manipulations using highly intelligent systems and, and then using that for e-discovery. So that tool there is in some ways similar to the tools that were involved in Dexma, because in Dexma, if, if, the, if, you, if you, the court has really analyzed that case, you'll see in Dexma there was a third party, uh, I think they're called secondary lenders, who had their own tools. And those really weren't databases, by the way, they were tools. The secondary lenders were using tools and then providing that information back to Dexma, who was then transmitting that information back to the customers of Dexma. Well, of course, all of this information that's going back and forth to and from the secondary lenders and to and from the customer, that was all on Dexma's system, right? But the, the, the commissioner made the same argument in Dexma, really, that it makes here. The commissioner said, oh no, Dexma, you're not sharing the search results uh, from one customer's you know, lending, lending searches with other customers. And so they really made the same argument in Dexma that was made here. And the court in Dexma, I think, distinguished between what was actually the system, which is more the algorithms, the formulas, the tools, versus customer data. And they say, look, if, 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 if the same person goes into bank A and bank B and puts the same information in, the, the same results are going to come back from the secondary lender's uh, tools. Now here, if, if, if law firm A submits the same information, the same emails, the same documents for, for discovery as law firm B, and the same tools are applied, of course, the same thing's going to happen. But, so, but in that hypothetical, A can't look at B's data. Well, of course not. That's also well, isn't that the point of the statute? Well, I mean, the statute said says whose accumulation of information is equally available to all customers. So, in your hypothetical, law firm A can't look at law firm B's accumulation of information, and B can't look at A. So, by by the just the plain meaning of the statute, then the plain words of the statute, the exemption doesn't apply. It seems to me. Well, your your honor, I think there's two points to be made. First of all that would be the same situation as in Dexma, because customer well, A Dexma, and Dexma... Well, Dexma, of course, is not binding on us. I understand that. It's a tax court that. case, and maybe it was wrongly decided. Well, that, that's, of course, up to the, to the Minnesota Supreme Court and not me. I don't think that's where you all should... Right. Let's look at the language of the statute. Well, 
my point is that even, even they now argue that Westlaw doesn't qualify. You know, at the, at the argument in front of the tax court on page 45, my opposing counsel said the current version of Westlaw doesn't, doesn't qualify. So they're asking you to nail in the coffin this exemption. No one will ever qualify given their approach to this because any kind of customer data, customer input, customer information, customer documents, the minute the customer is, is running anything through the system under the logic that your honor just postulated, then there would be no exemption. I agree with you. The problem is we have to go in and apply grammar and read this contextually and read it logically. And it says system whose accumulation of information. The system that's really being referenced there is the system that Kroll owns, that Kroll provides, that it, that it sells, that it charges for. That's the system, the accumulation of information on the system. Customer data doesn't belong to Kroll. The fact that customer data or customer documents are being used or employed or manipulated by these tools that Kroll is selling or is, 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 is employing, there's a distinction between the customer data and the tools that are being used. Take so Westlaw. Also, if I understand you, you're essentially saying that the, it's more of the process rather than the individualized product that comes out that is the, so it's the process that should be exempt rather than you can't focus on the individualized results. So right. you have customer, so you have customer information that comes out, but it's specific to the customer right. versus the same processes used to spit out information related to individuals, if I'm saying that correctly. Right. Let's take Westlaw, for example. If I go into Westlaw, okay, I'm going to be inputting search terms. Opposing lawyers and other law firms wouldn't be able to see my search terms. I can also set up libraries in Westlaw. I can do all kinds of things in Westlaw, okay? All the things that I do in Westlaw, that's all in Westlaw's system as, as any system would have. And, and the same was, was true in Dexma. So whatever is provided by the customer and maintained for the customer. I mean, when you do a Google search, they know everyone in this room, they know your Google searches for the last 20 years and they keep it and that, that's an issue, of course. But my point is, the minute the customer interacts with a system, that customer input and the customer provided information or requests or documents, that's not suddenly the system's accumulation of information. If that's the case, then this exemption really makes no sense. And that's not what intended. Now, what they do is they reword the statute because the statute would really say, and this is all in our brief, by the way, by a customer whose accumulation of information is equally available and accessible to other customers. That's what they want the statute to say. But it doesn't talk about the customer's accumulation of information. It talks about the system's accumulation of information. Customers have information, they have accumulation of information, and you have to draw a distinction between those two things. And that's what happened in Dexma. That's what has to happen with Westlaw. Nothing will ever qualify under this exemption. I mean, it's a dead exemption. It was dead on arrival under their reading of it. And I think the courts have to consider the consequences of interpretation. I also think you really have to parse carefully the wording, you know, where it actually says, by a customer, from a system whose accumulation, whose means systems, not customers, of information is equally available to all its customers. So, you know, that, that point is really central to this. And I, I think it's, it's a matter of, of proper grammatical reading. It's also important to think about what was the intent of the statute. Now, we're not, we're not trying to argue legislative intent. We're not trying to go beyond the plain meaning, but it's apparent that there was a, a, a West case that the tax court decided that this court affirmed without opinion. So this court didn't write an opinion, but if you go and look at the tax court opinion in West, and this is cited in the briefs, the tax court makes the point that, that this, was, you know, this was designed to improve the business climate in Minnesota and provide an exemption that would encourage capital ex expenditures and so the whole purpose of this was to stimulate economic development and prevent companies from locating in other states, maybe that have better weather, that have lower tax rates. And, and so the idea that this, this thing was dead on arrival because customers would be inputting search results and customers would be sending information. So take just, can, I, can I just go back to that case? As I understood the, the original case is that this tax court, that this court affirmed without opinion, basically said that Westlaw and just about everything is a product. Every kind of online thing is a product. 
And what the legislature did is say, we can't have that because then everything would be exempt from the sales tax. So we're gonna change the definition of product, but we're gonna carve out an exemption for things like Westlaw so that they can continue to get the exemption. So it's kind of going the opposite. It seems like the legislative history points the opposite way. It was trying to narrow down what had been a hole blown open in our tax, our exemption to our sales tax. Well, I wasn't, of course, I've never been on the court and I, I wasn't involved in that case. So I don't want to speculate on what the court was thinking. All I can do is read the opinion. And from the reading of the opinion, I think they make the point that the statute uses the word product. And so courts should follow the plain meaning. And then the legislature did, I think, talk about tangible personal property and then had a specific exemption that they implemented. So you can view that as a narrowing or you can view that as an implementation of the decision. I wasn't involved, wasn't here, so I, don't, I can't answer that question without speculating. But I think if you look at the definition they came up with, they were trying to provide a meaningful exemption that would apply to a accumulation of information and that was discussed in DEXMA as something that would include tools, all the things that Kroll does, the things that DEXMA does, and, and the things that other companies do. But typically, this kind of product is probably going to be in the legal area, the banking area, accounting. These are going to be professional services. Things like Facebook and Twitter and a lot of the other things we see, those aren't going to qualify because they're not data retrieval. And so this is a fairly limited area not because of the accumulation of information definition. It's really because of the primary purpose of retrieval language that's also in the statute. So I think regardless of what this court, if, you, if the court rules for my client, it's not going to open up a lot of additional exemptions. If you rule against my client, you're, you're nailing in the coffin something and saying that this was never meaningful from the beginning. What about Microsoft Word? I mean, you can... You can uh use a search function in Microsoft Word, and then you can retrieve information from that. So does that qualify for the exemption or not? Well, you're putting me on the spot, but I think it probably would be an issue is the primary purpose of this, you know, data retrieval. And I would say it probably isn't because my, Microsoft Word is really something used by writers, and it's so diversely used. I don't think that you would satisfy the, the, the primary purpose being data retrieval. I think there's a lot of purposes with Microsoft Word. It's also part of a suite of programs uh, that, that go with it, like PowerPoint and other things. So frankly, I think that would be problematic to argue that, that it meets the primary purpose test. But I, I think that we have to think about that any product that would ever have qualified under this exemption from day one was gonna have customer input and customer information. And they complain that my client provided all these documents and that those documents suddenly become part of the, the system that's owned by Kroll. Well, Kroll doesn't own those customer documents. It's not, on, it's not part of Kroll's systems. It's run through the system, but, but that's much different. That's like saying everything that you search on Google becomes part of the Google system. Well, Where in the statute does it require that the primary purpose be to retrieve? I, I just, I wanted if you could just help me with the language in the statute that you rely on for that. Certainly. If you, I don't know if you have the statute in front of you. But, well, I'm, I'm looking at page 7 of my brief where it says, machinery and equipment is exempt from sales tax when it's used primarily, used primarily to electronically transmit results retrieved by a customer of an online computerized data retrieval system. And I think used primarily to electronically transmit results retrieved by a customer, that's a major limitation, and that's going to rule out virtually almost anything other than something like we're talking about here or something like Dexma. And if you're just hiring somebody to do data storage, for example, I just want you to store my data, that would not really qualify if you were um, talking about like, like Facebook, Twitter, things like that. You know, Facebook is actually taking your data and making money off of it. So I really think that that's a pretty significant restriction, and the tax court says that we readily satisfy that primary purpose test. And, and so I think DEXMA is important because in DEXMA, there was no database that was provided by DEXMA. There was no database, and when I say database, I mean a collection of documents like Westlaw or collection of information. I'm not using database in the sense that the statute uses it because they don't use the phrase database really, but my point is, 
all of the information that was involved in Dexma all came from the customer. Customer inputted the information, it went through the Dexma system, then it went to these other programs that were really just analytical programs. They weren't, they weren't collections of information, they were tools. And in this case, Kroll is actually providing the full service. Kroll is providing the tools, they're providing everything. There's not a need for a third party like you had these third party lenders that were involved in Dexma. So Kroll is really doing kind of what Dexma and these third parties were doing. And Kroll is getting data from, from the client. You know, they're getting documents, they're getting search input, but that's really what was going on in Dexma. And that's really what goes on maybe to a lesser extent with Westlaw. When you're on Westlaw, you're typing in results, you're creating folders, you annotate cases. It's amazing all the things you can do with Westlaw. And that's why I don't think that the, the commissioner recognizes that anybody qualifies for this exemption the way they've narrowly restricted it. And I understand, you know, I understand that the court doesn't want to expand exemptions, but I'm merely asking this court to follow the plain meaning of, of the exemption. And we focus Count, in our brief counsel. so much on the word whose. Counsel, you know. if, you, if you would, um, let me back you up to, now that I think I found your language. I think the primarily, uh, used primarily to electronically transmit results, it looks like that's in subdivision five. Yes. Now, and now that I've read the language again, what was your point about that? Can you repeat that for me? That a lot of products, you know, you could probably rattle off a lot of hypotheticals to me, and I'm not an IT expert, but, you know, like Facebook, uh, Mike, there was a good question uh, from the Chief Justice about Microsoft Word. You could ask me about PowerPoint. There's all these different programs. None of those, I think, would meet the primary purpose or used primarily to electronically transmit results retrieved by a customer test. I really don't think they would meet that. So they and don't fit within the, de the, the key definition of capital equipment then? Right. Right. Okay. Right. I see your point. And so I know there's a concern, gee, if we rule in favor of Krolls, everyone and their dog's going to claim this. That's not true at all. It's just not true at all. Nobody's getting this right now because the department has, has interpreted it so narrowly. And, and, and not, even, not even, I believe, Westlaw. I mean, they're, they're not even giving it to Westlaw. So this was intended to keep companies here and grow the tech sector and encourage people to come here and to, you know, beautiful state, great, great, great place to live. But why are they going to California and Texas and all these other places? And, and, you know, in California, it's because of the labor force. In Texas, I think it's partially because of the low tax rate. But in any event, I, I think it's important to think about the, 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 the blurring of the customer information with the Kroll um, system and saying just because information's on the Kroll system, that doesn't work. Because if that is really the case, you're not following the plain meaning of the language. You're also coming up with a construction that eviscerates from day one this exemption. And that's not really what the legislature intended. I understand you want to strictly construe exemptions, but strict construction means following the wording. It doesn't mean kill an exemption, which is what they're trying to do. I'll reserve the rest of my time unless there's any other questions. Thank Council, you. Council, you have 10 minutes for rebuttal. Um, let's see, Ms. Nagasek? Is that close? Close, Nagosek. Nagosek, sorry. Good morning. Good morning. If it may please the court, my name is Christine Nagosik and I represent the Commissioner of Revenue in this matter. The exemption from sales tax for equipment that is used as part of an online data retrieval system is not a blanket exemption to all systems that users access via the internet. The legislature put limits on the types of systems that would qualify for the exemption when it defined... Can you give me an example of a system that would qualify? Uh, certainly, Your Honor. Um, I do believe that the Westlaw system would qualify, and if you looked at the summary judgment transcript, uh, my response to the my my uh, response that Westlaw would not qualify was to a specific hypothetical that the tax court presented during oral argument, which was, if Westlaw system did not contain a database, under that fact scenario, would Westlaw? 
uh, qualify for the exemption? And my answer to that was no. So your position is not that if a customer puts in any information, like a search term or saves a document, that that would exclude it from the definition? No, Your Honor. I think I can give even a better example of what a system is that would arguably qualify. And the example that comes to my mind is one that we probably all use uh, off and on. And that's the online uh, travel sites that, that are available out there. So a user of that site logs on remotely through the internet to the site. It, it inputs a series of search criteria, such as the airport that the user wants to depart, depart from and travel to, travel dates, various times that they would prefer to travel during the day. They input that information. The system then searches and retrieves and returns flights available during those times that the traveler wants, wants to fly. That is a system where there is a database of information that that information about flights coming from various airlines, whether it be American, Delta, there's all kinds of airlines out there. Um, that information is either on other databases outside of the site that the user is searching and the site goes out and retrieves it or the information may be actually saved on the site's uh, system itself or it's a combination thereof. But in any event, there is a source of data from which the system is searching based on the inputs that the user made. That is then, the results are then sent back to the user. In this situation, what is important is not the algorithms or the formulas that that, that site uses to search and retrieve the data and return it. It's actually the retrieve the results of, of the search. And I think that's the fundamental uh, problem with Kroll's argument is that the argument that the algorithms themselves, the software used to power Kroll's system, in and of itself is enough to be accumulation of information that's equally available, isn't necessarily um, it doesn't necessarily bear out when you look at the plain meaning of, of the statute that we're talking about. Counsel, I'm probably going to show my ignorance about how those sites work, but, but how does that fit in the part of, of uh, the definition that requires that it be equally available to, and accessible to all of its customers? Because it, when you put in that data, that flight data, you get back what, what's responsive to your search, right? Just Correct. your search. I mean, no one else can look at what I've put in for my search, right? Right. Oh, that's really a question. Truly, it is. <laughs> right. The, I, the, the answer is, Your Honor, is that the data that is being searched and retrieved is not the inputs from the user. It's the data about the flights that are available. It's the data that American has and the information American Airlines has about, it has a flight that's going from Minneapolis to Chicago O'Hare that's leaving on Friday morning at 8 a.m. and returning a return flight on Tuesday afternoon. That's the data that is being searched and retrieved. The, the series of inputs that the user... Um, You're saying that's accessible to anybody because it's Americans' data. Correct. Okay. Correct. Even look at Westlaw. So okay. Westlaw has a database, and it's it's you know, it's a, a really large database of of information, uh, not just cases, law review articles. It's all out there. Each individual user of Westlaw has access to that full body of information that Westlaw stores. The search terms that a user would input into that system will return results that are responsive to the user's uh, inputs. If I input the same search terms, searching the same identified databases as you did, we should get the same results. That is, I think, the best way to determine whether or not a series or a, a body of information, a database of information on a system is equally available and accessible to all. It's when uh, two users can input the same search criteria and get the same results. If two people cannot do that, then you have a database of information that is not equally available and accessible. 
the issue with Kroll's system and why it doesn't fit the, def uh, the, the uh, statutory definition of an online data retrieval system is that the system itself is set up to keep silos of information separate from each other customer searching the other customer's uh, information. Kroll's system is pretty analogous to the online banking systems and sites that we probably all use uh, to access our own account information. So if I want to check my bank account, I go onto the, the website for the bank that I bank at. I use my uh, confidential and secure login cr credentials. Although the bank system has all of the information for all of its banking customers, I am only able to access my own information in the same way that Kroll's customers can only access Kroll's, the information that is stored by that customer on Kroll's system. So to put it another way, your argument would be, if we accept Kroll's argument, then financial institutions would have this exemption available to them. Yes, Your Honor. And I think that's the fundamental problem. Correct. I hadn't thought of that, but yes, that would be another example of a um, online system that does have a database of information that individuals can, can search, but that user is only able to access his or her own information. And fundamentally, when the uh, user, the person who is searching the database of information is only able to access some of the information, that system doesn't meet the, the statutory definition of a system whose information is available to uh, each and every customer. And that's been your, the commissioner's position for a long time. I that mean, is looking my, back at these revenue guidances. That is so correct. So we're not, Ryan. this would not be a switching. I mean, one of the concerns I have is we don't want to kind of, we don't want people to make economic plans, right, based on an understanding and then switch. But it does seem like that's the position the commissioner's taken for a long time. That is true, Your Honor, and there is uh, a revenue notice, although the Commissioner of Revenue is not asking and does not think that the court needs to look to that revenue notice in this case because the statute is clear. But there is a revenue notice that does show that the commissioner's position and argument here today in this case is consistent with that revenue notice. And that revenue notice was issued in 2006. Is, is the commissioner's interpretation, is the commissioner's interpretation here consistent with DEXMA or inconsistent with DEXMA? Am I pronouncing that right? Yes. DEXMA, yeah. Um, Your Honor, I, my, my answer to that is that the, my, my understanding of the DEXMA case is that the DEXMA system is so materially different than Kroll's system that looking at what and how the court ruled in DEXMA doesn't give us much help here today. However, I I, 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 I want to state here, I, mean, I think we're all clear on this. This is a tax court decision. It's not binding on us. It may be an error, all of those things. But I'm just trying to figure out if it's consistent with DEXMA. I, I do not think it is inconsistent with DEXMA. I, I do think that what the DEXMA case stands for, and when you look at how the tax court described the secondary lenders system, it does seem to indicate that that system itself not only had formulas and algorithms, but also had um, a database of information. And the DEXMA system is similar to the example that I provided about online travel sites, where those travel sites are going out to various airlines and linking in and, and pulling information about uh, flights that are available. So the, the example of the online sites is probably more similar to DEXMA than Kroll's system, but I don't think that the commissioner's argument about Kroll's system not fitting within the statutory definition is at all inconsistent with the uh, DEXMA decision. Venturing a little bit out of my comfort zone here, but what about Airbnb? Um, I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone as well because I, I'm not sure I've ever used that site. I may have, but I've used similar sites. And my understanding is that the Airbnb site does have a database of information about the 
um, the homes and the, the rooms that are available for rent. And I think that is maintained on Airbnb's website, um, but it may be going out to various websites and, and pulling in information. The thing about all of these websites that we're talking about, whether it's an Airbnb or whether it's a bank or Kroll's, is that what is really at issue is that it's the data that is being retrieved. It's not the, the algorithms and formulas. Essentially, Kroll's argument is that as long as any computer system can be accessed via the internet, it qualifies for the exemption because any computer system is gonna have a series of algorithms and formulas on it. So then it would seem that Airbnb would qualify because it is a database that is accessible to everyone. It's similar to the travel sites. You put in your dates, you put in your location, and it's gonna spit out what's available. And if, if Justice Hudson put in the same terms, she would get the same information. Am I following you? Yes. So why isn't Google covered under your definition, or is it? Um, well, if you're looking at, well, Google seems to be a little bit of a beast that I'm a, a little unknowledgeable, and I'm not sure I'm technically savvy enough to discuss it in any great detail. Well, it seems, the, the, thing, that, the, the thing that you, the, the distinction between Westlaw and the travel site, and this is, this I guess isn't relevant to resolving this case, but is that you're saying it's not just, like Westlaw pulls, one of the things they do as a business and probably the biggest thing they do as a business in terms of investing is actually accumulating the, accumulating the information. Whereas with a travel site, for the most part, I think they, you're right that they are just connecting with other people who have accumulated that information. And it seems like, you know, it seems like Google, that's what they do is they send you and collect, the, you know, basically the whole internet is their database, right? And everything out there. Right. And, and Google, the, the, the Google search engine, I think it's technically called a search engine, uh, the user logs onto Google's website, uh, puts in a series of, of search criteria, and there's a, a you know, a, a, a series of websites and information that is retrieved and returned. Um, if, you know, I can't, I, I'm not sure that Google would. So, I mean, just to. So to resolve this case, we don't have to make the dis distinction, or do we have to make the distinction between a Westlaw that accumulates the information itself and a travel, and we don't have to decide the travel site to decide this case, right? No, Your Honor, no. That was um, my attempt to try to create an example for the court uh, using a website that some, if not all of you, have probably used at some point or another. So I, you're position or the commissioner's position is that the, we should apply the plain language of the statute correct yes. so you also rely though on the principle that we construe tax exemptions narrowly and I'm just wondering where that principle of construction applies or how it's relevant if we're doing a plain language analysis your honor I think if the court is doing nothing other than looking at the plain language and simply engaging in statutory interpretation, you don't need to move to the canon of construction about tax exemptions being narrowly construed. I think if there is any doubt in the court's mind as to whether or not the language is ambiguous or not, or unambiguous, then that canon of construction would be one that should direct the court to narrowly construe that statute and determine that Kroll does not qualify. There is a section of the statute that Kroll emphasized during its argument, and that is the test that the equipment be used primarily to return uh, results. And the, the emphasis or the, the primary use test has, not, has, has more to do with what part of that piece of equipment is used as part of the online data retrieval system. So for example, Kroll's system has a lot of machinery and equipment. It actually has data centers throughout the state. And 
Those are servers, they're large servers, but there's also a whole series of computers and lines and all kinds of other equipment that, are, that is used by Kroll OnTrack to operate its e-discovery service. The question of when a piece of equipment is primarily used to return the results has more to do with whether a particular laptop was part of the system for 50% of the time or more. And if it was, then the purchase of that laptop is exempt from taxation. If it's not, if it was used 49% of the time, Kroll needs to pay tax on that, whether, even though it's being used partially. So the primary use test is not whether the system as a whole is used primarily to return, but it's a test to determine each individual piece of equipment's eligibility to be exempt from taxation. In conclusion then, the plain meaning of the statute requires that all and not just some of the information on the system be available to each of the system's users. Under this plain meaning, Kroll's system does not qualify because each of Kroll's customers have access to only some of the information on Kroll's system. This court should affirm, accordingly affirm the tax court decision and hold that Kroll's purchases of equipment are not exempt from sales tax. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. Uh, Mr. Siegel, you have 10 minutes for rebuttal. I want to talk about a couple of things. First, what does the statute really say? The statute doesn't talk about a database. The statute doesn't require, it doesn't require or even contemplate Google or Airbnb or any of the examples that my learned opposing counsel used. And so I think we're really getting misdirected to say, well, you have to have a database. And I understand that the Dexman opinion is not something that's binding on the court, but it really gives a very good discussion of what accumulation of information means. And it explains that what Kroll and Dexman and others who were really in the very business that's discussed by accumulation of information, what they do, that that's accumulation of information. In our brief, we have dictionary definitions of what accumulation of information is. And I, I'd like to pursue um, an angle that we, I, this is one of those discussions where I think maybe you started us down this path and uh, we picked up on it. And I want to go to the discussion we had with you when you were up here before about whether or not there is any um, business that would qualify under the, under the interpretation the commissioner urges us. And I think one of the subjects, one of the, re, one of the references was Westlaw. Maybe there are others. Um, I'd like to have you respond to some of those hypotheticals that were offered, um, whether you call it Expedia or uh, other kinds of things. Um, let's go back to your position and your first argument. Certainly. Uh, is, is there a business left that qualifies under the, or their exemption? Well, their interpretation of the exemption. I want to be as polite as I can about this, but I think the commissioner is being a little disingenuous to suggest that, oh, Airbnb is going to suddenly get this exemption? Really? Google? They're not sure. Um, travel sites are going to get this exemption? I don't agree with that at all. They're going to come in and argue that the travel sites are, tra are selling tickets. It's a, it's a reservation system. The business is to, is to get people to buy tickets. Sure, you can go to the travel site and do searches and not buy tickets. Just like you can go to Amazon and use it to do window shopping and then go to your local store and buy what you want to buy. But the primary purpose, it seems to me, and even the tax court opinion in this case recognizes, really needs to be retrieving information. And that's really what Kroll is doing. It's retrieving information from the customer documents using algorithms, formulas, which, which is accumulation of information. Now, if the legislature had said there has to be a database, and if they had just been thinking about a Westlaw-like database, they would, have, they would have written that. So the commissioner is very, very far away from the plain meaning of the statute, and they're not going to let these other companies that they use as examples take advantage of this exemption. I'm certain of that. They're going to say, no, this is a shopping site. It's not retrieval of in in information. They're going to say retrieval of information is incidental to Airbnb, and into the, you know, the American Airlines site or Travelocity. 
And so they're, they're never going to allow the exemption for that. They're not going to allow the exemption for anything unless this court follows the plain meaning. You know, accumulation of information needs to be defined in a dictionary. And in, think about information can be, you know, a few digits, which is the dictionary definition. Accumulation of information includes these, these analytical, you know, these analytical formulas, algorithms, all the things that Kroll provides. Mr. Canfield's affidavit proves. Counsel, let me just, um, I want to just take this back to the old days. When I was a practicing lawyer, the way we did discovery is we put little ones on big ones. So we put a post-it note on what we have to produce. And everything that has a post-it note is what we accumulated. That was our accumulation of information. And then we turned that over in discovery. So what your client does is it takes my place. You accumulate the information. You put the little ones on the big ones, metaphorically. And then what, get, and then what, you've cumula, what you have accumulated gets produced in discovery. But the problem for the exemption is that what you have accumulated, the pile of stuff, is not available to everyone. I mean, the statute says what you have accumulated has to be available to all your customers. So that's the problem that I have with your argument. Well, Your Honor, the, the, what the statute says, a system whose accumulation of information, it doesn't talk about customers whose accumulation of information is available to other customers. I'm, now, I'm agreeing with you. Your system accumulates the information. But, but then what happens to that information? Everyone can't see it, so that's why it's not exempt. Well, Your Honor, the inf any, any sort of a system is going to have information flow through it, you know, whether it's the Westlaw system, the search results, the libraries that you would set up in Westlaw. You know, think of all the, all the servers full of people using Westlaw who have folders of documents, highlighted documents, Think of all the things you can do with Westlaw. I mean, I haven't even gotten all the Westlaw training out there, but the people that really know how to use Westlaw, it's amazing, okay? So she's now saying, I think, that, qual that Westlaw currently qualifies, which is not what she said at the argument, but if she's changing her position, I'll take that. Well, if Westlaw qualifies and, it'll, and it, it stores all of this legal work by courts and attorneys, if that qualifies, okay, Despite the fact that I can't go and see the court's Westlaw searches or your files, I'd probably end up in jail if I was able to hack into them, right? I don't want my opposing lawyer seeing that either. So there's this massive information out there that's not available to other people, but yet she's now telling you Westlaw qualifies. That really doesn't work. It doesn't work intellectually, and it doesn't work when you go back and say, what does accumulation of information mean? And then what does it mean when it says system whose accumulation of information? The system's accumulation of information is distinct from information owned by the customer that is run through the system. You know, Kroll doesn't own the information that's run through its system. It's, it's using that for a customer. It's much different than for it to include that as part of its system. So the statute contemplated something exactly like what Kroll is doing. It's accumulation of information, tools, algorithms that qualify that everybody who, who, who signs up with them gets that. Every customer is going to run their information through it, whether it's Westlaw or it's, you know, Dexmar, anything we can think about as really qualifying. And as we get more advanced, there's more and more customer interaction and customer manipulation. You know, Westlaw is the paradigm case of that. And so for them to say Westlaw qualifies, which they've now said, why doesn't, you know, why doesn't Kroll qualify? I mean, there's all this information that's on the Westlaw system that Westlaw doesn't share with anybody else. You know, I go onto Westlaw and I highlight the cases. Great opinion by the judge. I, have, I make comments about the judges on the case, let's say, or I make comments about a case. You know, most of my opinions, I mark them up. We have folders for each case. We send folders back and forth. I mean, we fully use the resources of Westlaw. None of that's available to anybody else, but yet she says it's qualifying. Now, she's really trying to argue that there, there's this underlying database requirement. If you don't sell a database, you don't qualify. That's not in the statute. It says accumulation of information. A database can be accumulation of information. It's one species of accumulation, accumulation of information, but accumulation of information can include the algorithms, the tools. You know, you have information, you accumulate it. The DEXMA opinion is very well written and walks through that. I would refer the court to read that 
And then in our brief, we give you the definitions of accumulation and the de definitions of inf information. It, it seems like the, the, the thing in DEXMA that is different from your situation, tell me if I'm wrong, is that they're, although they're accumulating information from other places, they don't create the database. I guess I, maybe the better way to say it is, what about their, uh, the commissioner's formulation that if you type in a question, if I type in a question, I'm going to retrieve the same answer as if you type in a question. Why is, why is that not a, a, a proper test? Well, I would think typing in a question is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the only thing that qualifies because if I say, here's some documents. But doesn't that, doesn't that, isn't that a good test of whether something is available to all? Well, the questions are not available to all. Queries are not available. What I'm saying is, is uh, the way that the commissioner is formulating it is to look at accumulation of information that's available to all. And so why wouldn't a good test, well, does this system, is this system set of, of this accumulated information, why isn't a good test, if I type in the, a, a query to it for data retrieval, and Justice Chudich types in a query of it for data retrieval, we're going to get the same information back because we have equal accessibility to that database, to that accumulation of information. Well, we would say too, but in the case of Kroll, if, if both of you put the same 10 documents in. Can you speak directly into the microphone? I'm sorry, if both of you did, you. if both of you put the same 10 documents in to the Kroll system, and both of you did the same queries on the Kroll system of the same 10 documents, you would get the exact same results. So I think the documents are really tied up with the except query. If, except if she works for a different law firm, we type in the same query, we're not going to get the same response back, right? But if you put the same documents in as part of the query, the documents are related with the query. You're putting those documents in because you want to query the documents. There's, not a, there's nothing in the statute that says just because the customer is inputting documents and searching those documents and using the tools for the documents, it doesn't qualify. That's a limit that they're reading in. They're rewriting the statute. Now, policy, maybe there's a policy reason to do that. I don't even think there's a policy argument there. That's an arbitrary limit. It's not dictated by the wording of the statute. There's no policy rationale for it. Remember, we're trying to get people to locate in Minneapolis. I hope she's right that all these Airbnb people and all these people she says are going to get the exemption, suddenly they're going to give the exemption to them. They don't give the exemption to anybody, by the way, right now. Uh, and if they're saying Westlaw qualifies, well, in the case of Westlaw, I'm annotating cases. I'm putting in my research. You can, put, you, can, you can put all kinds of things. I mean, Westlaw is more of a data storage thing than it used to be. So she says that qualifies. So she's contradicting your own hypothetical, Your Honor, that you're saying would be a test. They don't follow the test according to her. They're all over the place in terms of what they'll allow and won't allow. The matter is, fact is, they don't allow anything. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. Thanks to both counsel for the help that you provided to the court in this matter. This case is submitted. We'll issue an opinion in due course. We're in recess.